Hey everybody, it's Devin here. I'm proud to announce that the Witch Power series, my first book series with Llewellyn Worldwide, is now complete. And as if that wasn't awesome enough, I've developed a course for intermediate to advanced practitioners who want to take the material from the books and their Witch Power to a whole new level. And the Witch Power Masterclass, we take the work from the series and expand upon it through additional exercises, reading, audio and video lessons, and ritual. By the time you complete this 52-week course, you will not only have a grasp of what you and your witch power are capable of, but the direction and personal insight necessary to build a life with your magic that you want on your own terms. The Witch Power Masterclass is available only at themysticdreamacademy.com. Use code MODERNWITCH, that's all one word, to get $10 off. Again, that's at themysticdreamacademy.com, and you can use code MODERNWITCH, all one word, to get $10 off. Thanks for listening to the show. I hope you enjoy. What is that? It's a little bag made from the skin of a toad. Does it matter? She, she's tampering in dark-sided stuff. Yet in our own supremely rational time, there has been a dramatic rebirth of the ancient arts of witchcraft. You're listening to the Modern Witch Podcast with Devin Hunter and Jess Carlson. So, uh, yeah, so I guess if you're if you're tuning in and listening, this is the Modern Witch Podcast. I am one of your hosts, it's Devin Hunter. Joining me, of course, is the lovely and amazing Jess Carlson. Jess, how are you today? Oh, I'm peachy keen. <laughs> you know, I was, I was listening to our old episodes from when we were doing the blog talk show. And uh-huh. I, I loved the intro. I super fucking love the intro. But some of those shows, I, I'm feeling like they need a little extra attention. Like, I was just going to put them on this feed. And then I thought, no, Jess and I need to, like, totally make it like a Mystery Science 3000 kind of a vibe. Oh, I know. Like, we're going to misty our own show. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, right. it, it was, yeah. So we're going to have to do that and get and put that out because that's going to be amazing. But some of these old shows are, I mean, wow. Not only do I feel like I sounded like a child most of the time because they're like seven years old, but just the topics that we were talking about, it was like, ugh, ugh, really? Okay. So anyway. I also think, though, when you look, you know, when you look back at anything seven years ago, it's like, well, things were very different then. I mean. You know, everything was very different. So, yeah, there's that. We had a president. There were a lot of things that were different. Um, We didn't live in a dystopia. (laughs) You know, I mean, it was it was a very different time. Seven years ago. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I know. And I, you know, I mean, everybody, you clearly know that this show is incredibly liberal and in, in a lot of ways um at least enough to where the the president annoys the fuck out of us but um it's it's just yeah and then the Mueller report just got sent to the you know the the people and the AG is it's just a whole mess the whole thing I it's just, just very I disheartening just have to say I was so you know I feel like every day just to make sure I know like what the level of crazy is like, are we at a green today? Like, you know, or, or are we at a red? Um, I often will go and just, you know, peruse Trump's Twitter feed, which then by the time I leave, I'm like, Oh, my head hurts. But the, but like last week when, uh, he decided that he was going to, you know, that he was going to do his first veto and he just posted a tweet that just said veto. I'm like, did he, does he think he just vetoed something? Did he just 
is he trying to veto by tweet? What is this man's problem? So no, I, <laughs> not at all. But yeah, no, it's, it's just, and you know, here's what's really funny. And in the future, we'll do a nice long political <laughs> discussion, especially because we are going to be coming into, uh, you know, like right now it's a little insane, but we are going to be coming into a full on presidential election cycle. And uh, right now it's way, like the guy I was into is already out of the race. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, you know, it's like that's how early it is. Um, so it's like last time in uh, if, which feels like seven years ago um, in 2016 when I was still on Facebook and I don't usually on social media talk about politics because it's just it's you want to talk about screaming into a void and just like being smacked in the face <laughs> by things that aren't there like that is the biggest like waste of your time is to get into political discussions on the internet because that's where everyone thinks that it's you know hey I can be an asshole no one's gonna know it's me or whatever so I don't ever talk about stuff like that at least like I don't bring it up and but at that time, it was uh, in the middle of the summer that year. And I don't know what the hell had happened, like what weird thing Trump had done where I was like, oh, isn't that just could you just imagine if he was the president and this is what was going on? And I, and I just I made some comment like that. And I got the most ridiculous amount of backlash from other pagans talking about how. I was too liberal because I didn't agree with something Trump had done. And I was like, are you, I'm sorry, where am I? Like, right. where are you people? What is happening? So it's just, you know, it's, it's the entire world has gone insane. And I, and I also, I have a weird like theory about how he got elected and how chaos magic is behind it. And <laughs> that worries me for the future with how things have We'll talk about that would be a fun way to approach that topic. Let me tell you about how I think we inadvertently use chaos magic to elect Donald Trump. I, I have said it more than once that I think Donald Trump is America's shadow. Like America was like, OK, we have to take care of some shit before we can actually, you know, become the United Federation of Planets. And so <laughs> and so well, we have to that space force will be up there. handling oh, that. So. Goodness fucking gracious. So, yeah. So we'll have to do a whole thing on that because there's there's some and there's a lot of interesting books out right now that are specifically focusing on the connection between witchcraft and politics. And I think that's some interesting shit. So we'll have to get there. Um, but today, I want to talk about gatekeeping. Because I had, I read a blog post, apparently it was an older blog post, and I'm not going to name names because I don't want to, you know, it's not about the the person who wrote it. It's about kind of the feelings that were elicited when I read this. And so, um, but I read this blog post that was basically saying, witches are not light workers that witches are death walkers and it was this idea that like you're oh you you know you're if you're a light worker you're not a witch and my blood pressure went like through the roof now mind you when I read this, it was like the first thing in the morning. I had like, you know, you know, everyone's routine. You get up, you make your coffee, you you scroll through your feed and figure out what's going on. Facebook is going to be the death of me. Um, and so this <laughs> popped up on my Facebook feed. And so I hadn't had my caffeine yet. And I read it and it just pissed me off. It was like this. I'm so sick of people defining witchcraft for other people 
because I experienced this so much when I was um, coming into my own as a witch and figuring out who I was. There was a lot of people who would say, oh, well, that's not witchcraft. Or even my own father, I was thinking about this the other day, my father, rest in peace, he would tell me, oh, well, uh, witches don't say, oh, my God. Like, that was something he told me when I was younger because he was a practicing pagan. And I would be like, oh, my God. And, you know, I'm a little little boy, a little dramatic boy running around the house. Oh, my God. And so um, – but he would be like, oh, no, witches don't say that. You know, and so even, like, I got that kind of stuff, you know, from my, from my own parents. And so when I really broke out of my shell, I guess, and kind of stepped into my own – and started doing work for other people, especially like 90% of it is light work. Like it's what would people would consider to be that light worker kind of stuff. Like I do a lot of healing work for people. We do a lot of uh, especially spiritual healing. You know, there's a lot of going back and fixing what we understand to be the soul and its connections to other people. And th- like a lot of that stuff heal. I mean, Reiki, I love Reiki. I absolutely love Reiki. And um, like we're going to be doing um, at we're do, having a retreat uh, in a couple months. And at the retreat, part of that whole experience is that everybody's going to get a Kundalini Reiki attunement. Just, you know, just being that we're doing a ritual around it, like it's going to be, you know, it's it, so it's just it's amazing to me when um, people can get their hands on like powerful tools, but because it doesn't fit their little paradigm, it's not witchy enough, you know, or whatever. And so witches don't do that. And I I read this article, Jess, and my I just wanted to like scream. I mean, and I th- and I'm assuming because of the way it was re- like I assu- I read it as the author was in a place where they were trying to defend their type of witchcraft or what they viewed witchcraft to be, but in doing so, like through light workers under the bus, and and we've all had those experiences. I mean, we've all had those like super white girl wearing a crystal around her neck, you know, telling you what's, what's, you know, something about the, the power of, you know, affirmations and the intention behind the universal blah, blah, blah. And you're like, bitch, I've been doing this for like 20 years. Like you can't, you know, and how she visited lemur Island on her lemur (laughs) Island. Oh, I can't wait to get into the lemur Island episode. Wait for that folks. That's going to happen. Well, here's what's interesting. I kind of skim through this article and I, First of all, not only does this person define what witchcraft is, not just for themselves, but is essentially trying to do it for everybody, um, but also does the same thing with what light work is and what being a light worker is and basically defining what that is and then saying, and therefore, since they are not the same, you, you know, you're, they're not the same. Like they're, you know, they're two different things. One is, one is dark and ooky spooky and one is all you know love and light and rainbows and neither of those things are true those are are both wrong (laughs) and but i also thought it was funny that this person's talking about you know they they consider themselves a spiritual teacher and that they do talk about and teach about ascension but but refuse to use the the idea of light work I'm sorry. What the fuck is happening here? How like why? What's the difference with the label is what is the only thing that makes is the problem like and that becomes that opens up a whole giant, you know, problem, I think, within the especially within certain factions of the pagan community and the witchcraft community. The the thing, if you don't have the right label and you don't have the right definition of said label, then you're like asking for problems with, you know, purists, who, at which I am, you know, the farthest from a purist. And I think that light work and, you know, light and dark 
however you want to look at it, within the craft go hand in hand. You know, it is, I believe, a thousand percent the axiom of, you know, if you cannot hex, you cannot heal. If you don't understand the symptoms to, you know, their root, you cannot properly alleviate them. So, you know, you can't walk one side or the other forever, I will say, because certainly we all kind of pick our side when we first kind of get in here and then eventually maybe go over to the other side for a while and then maybe find that middle ground. But to kind of just like automatically be like, oh, well, if you consider yourself to be this and you like these things, well, you're not a witch. Bitch, who says so? Do yeah. you? I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. fine. You might not think so, but that's, you know, that's your up your opinion man like you know so well um, yeah and that's my thing and you know i i i have no idea i don't know who this this author is there's i have nothing against them as a person i and i you know and what i'm told is that this isn't the best article to to get my introduction to the person anyway and it even goes beyond that because i just feel like it's it's like this is the type of thing that we keep seeing everywhere and we're in this place of okay Witchcraft is on the rise. We know. I mean, we're all seeing those articles coming out from you know Time and and um, you know different sources saying that people are practicing witchcraft like they haven't before, and how big our numbers are getting. And then we have this thing happening where people are standing up and saying, "No, no, 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 no! You're not practicing witchcraft." That's this other thing. And and my thing has always been as a witch, like my my little credo is that if something works and it has power, use it. Like if it works for you and it has power, go for it. And, you know, and, and we can talk about cultural appropriation. Like that's that's totally something to talk about because that totally comes up in my books. I reference cultures from everywhere from the First Nations people here in the States to the Ainu people of Japan, because there are these incredible cultural references and concepts that you have to get out of your own culture to understand. There are words and other and other languages that we do not have in English. You know, there are there's there's a there's a whole view of the world that comes from outside of your paradigm and if you never expose yourself to those things or you never include those things you're never going to be able to expand your mind. And I'm not saying go in and rip a bunch of cultures off because there's a way to do it where you can be respectful and aware and actually raise I don't know, not just awareness for that culture uh, who might be suffering or might be dying, right? Because that happens so much of what we end up finding in the occult. But there's a way to do it respectfully where you're you're explaining your your personal connection to it, who taught you those things or why they are inspiring for you. There's so many ways to do these things respectfully. There's so many ways to do these things without having to rip people off. That I don't know why we have to like create these little camps of like this is a what this is what the real witches are and this is what we do and these are where the other witches aren't but this is kind of like witchcraft but it's not witchcraft like I I just I don't get it and well here's another thing I thought was interesting as far as the idea of this is this is what a light worker does therefore it's not what a witch does I, you know this person talks about things like you know people who are into who consider themselves light workers and who are into the whole light work thing talk about how you know they have psychic abilities okay so let's just stop let's just take a look at these things and check them off as also things that people in witchcraft you know talk about you know having psychic abilities 
Check. Your witch power being, comes with psychic abilities. <laughs> being sensitive to energy. Check. That's <laughs> I mean, part of your witch power. <laughs> having a developing a higher consciousness. Check. That's part of your witch power. Developing cosmic connections. Check. That's also part of your witch power. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, it's, I think it's, it's, but then we get down to, as you know, going through the article, we get to the real, to one of the issues that this particular person has, which is that they have an aversion to angels and light workers deal uh, a lot. Here we go. With Are angels. you ready? Are you ready? Oh. Are Oof. you ready? Because oh, I'm I have, so ready for this. This is something. <laughs> so, people who know me, know that angels are a thing I I'm into. I love it. I've been studying uh, angel work for years. And uh, when I got into angel stuff in probably about like 2007, early 2007, really had a profound impact on me, but not just personally or spiritually, but also with my my magic. And the idea, first of all, that you know, the whole idea of, oh, well, which is, uh, you know, don't do angels because angels are a Christian thing. Right away, I'm like, well, <laughs> right away, I'm like, well, you clearly have never actually read any information that goes beyond, you know, I don't know, whatever, like Dorian Pop- Virtue. We'll say popular um, witchcraft, yeah. Or popular, popular witchcraft. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, no, actually, angels are have nothing to do with Christianity at all. It, they, the whole concept of angels has to do with a non-denominational angelic, the angelic realm is, is non-denominational and is supposed to be a sort of mediary, like barrier almost between the divine, however you want to see it and you. And with, you know, you can get all the way into talking about like the nine choirs of angels and the fact that we as humans with a lower denser vibration you could say just cannot reach that level to get all the way up to uh the divine and i know this is something that like oh well i talk to god all the time or i talk to the goddess or that's great but how do you know that that's really what you're doing well and it's it's totally about what people perceive the concept of angels to be. And this is so, and, and you were just talking about, it was like, you know, we brought up Dorian Virtue. And I mean, folks, if you've been following any of that, Dorian Virtue walked away from angels because it clearly states in the Christian Bible, you are not to talk to angels. Right. They because are. Because again, with the Bible, people don't, because half the people that are like, oh, well, they're biblical and we don't do. They didn't Have you ever Bible. actually read the Bible? Right. Because angels are mentioned, I think, five times or less. And they're and scary. The, yeah, and the oh, and they're scary. And the only archangel mentioned by name is Michael. Right. Gabriel isn't even a, an archangel in the Bible. Right. So you know, it's it drives me crazy when people oh well, angels that that's a Christian thing we don't. Well, but then, but and I write about this in all three books because the angels are such an important part of my craft. So I mean, let, you know, as a medium, when I, I I can't not run into an angel. I mean, it's just the way it works. Like it's it'd be like saying don't run into dead people. Like it's right. that's not how it goes. And if you want to break it down, you want to go all the way back through to the history of of angels. What we're dealing with is the first concept of angels comes from the Babylonians, and they had this idea of helpful spirits or friendly spirits, spirits that would come in, and they were. It's kind of like how the Greeks would see um, like a daemon, like oh here's this muse that comes in and helps my life get better, and that's how the Babylonians saw angels. As the Jews were wandering around, because that was they were tribal 
people, right? They were doing their thing. They interact with the Babylonians, and suddenly there's this spark where angels are kind of assimilated into Jewish culture because they were so highly influenced by what was going on there. And so that's when we start to get a little bit different view of angels, but it really wasn't until we get really the translations from the Greek that, you know, it created the Bible that we know it now, that we get the the kind of the, I don't even say current, because I would really say, Jess, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you're obviously super into this too. Uh, I would say the modern idea of angels that we kind of have in popular culture is really only maybe 20, 30 years old. Yeah, a lot of it is definitely more um, rooted in the, I guess you could say kind of more like Christian-esque evangelical. New Age We can't community. even say. Yeah, yeah, evangelical. It's definitely more like, a, you know, when you see it in the not specifically religious, but more spiritual context or the New Age context, it does have that sort of almost like aftertaste of religion to it. Well, but that's, yeah. But it is very much a modern concept and all of the uh like you said like the babylonians and the early jews and and the and the the very early uh greek um interpretations like you know the interpretation of the name meaning messenger and stuff like that we lose all of that in favor of oh well the angels are you know, God's special people. And which again, then I get like, it drives me crazy when people are like, oh, well, my grandmother's an angel now. No, your grandmother's not an angel. Nope. Mm -mm. Nope. Sorry. Your grandmother, <laughs> lovely as she may have been, just is not an angel because that's not how angels work. So, well, but you know. it, that's a terminology thing too. Cause I, this was something that came up when I was writing Witch's Book of Spirits. And that was that if we take that original term, which which you know from the the Babylonians, then sure your grandma yeah. could be an angel. However, your grandma has to be interceding in your life on your behalf in order to make that happen. But so if also, you, if, but the thing though about that that I think gets where we now it's like almost like going okay, well we'll give you that one is because now it's like, you know, that that person does not have that knowledge, you know, that oh, exactly. they don't, oh, they're yeah, not totally. thinking, they're thinking, you know, wings and halo and a harp. No, th and their process is somebody dies, you plant them in the ground. And instead of a tree that comes out, you get an angel. Like that's, <laughs> that's the process. And that's not how it works. No, of course. That's not how it works. But, and, but, you know, and I get just as irritated with uh, with light workers, people who just claim they're light workers and they are nothing else. I get irritated at that on an internal level. I mean, I don't say, oh, screw you, because that's a, that would be the asshole thing to do. But in my mind, I'm going, oh, OK, you have a problem with balance. Like and, and that's where I go, just like with people who are super dark and, and you know, demonic. I'm like, oh, you have a problem with balance. There's that's you. You do you. You live your best life. There's that's not going to be a judgment, but that is going to be something that passes through my mind. Mind. And, you know, I, I, you know, obviously we have this metaphysical store. We have psychics every single day. We've got spiritual healers. I'm exposed to all kinds of interesting, weird, trippy healing techniques that I'd never would have come across if it weren't for some light worker showing up and saying, hey, have you tried theta, blah, blah, blah? I'm like, what is that? I've never heard of this before. And then suddenly I'm having these really amazing spiritual experiences and I, I it, it, what I hate to see are people because here's the thing. Let's let's uh, let's admit it. So when it comes to people coming to the craft, the reason why most of us come to the craft is that we're looking for power, which was my which is why I showed up here or we're looking for healing. 
right? It's like power control or we're looking for healing. And and those are the reasons we come to the craft. A lot of people show up because they're looking for spiritual healing because they had a, a negative spiritual experience with a, with a religion or a cult, right? And so they find paganism, they find witchcraft, they find that we're all about, you know, female empowerment and we're all about personal, you know, um, empowerment and all of these things. And so, of course, you know, we've got that environment ready for those people to have those experiences. I hate that those people come in and have somebody standing there in front of the doorway saying, actually, you didn't say that name right. And so you can't come in. Like, that's the kind of shit that I hate seeing. And that's a lot of, you know, lightworkers are people who, if like, if you're claiming you're a lightworker and that's what you're doing, that's often um, people who are not equipped to handle some of the darker things that we do end up handling in the craft. And I can accept that. Like that I can accept. But I don't think everybody needs to be equipped to do that. Like at some point you got to remember you're a witch. You are special, right? Like you do you do have the equipment to deal with these things. That's not everybody's job. If everybody if that was everybody's job, the witch power wouldn't be a thing, right? And so we're in this kind of age where Obviously, people – I think witchcraft is being mined a lot and it's being sold to the public, which it doesn't bother me one bit, actually. I think it's great because it just makes witchcraft more available to people. Um, But I'm also seeing that witches in response to these things are kind of throwing up their hands and making up rules all of a sudden that I never heard of. Yeah, I mean, and here's here's the thing, though, too. I think, uh, you know, for a lot of people when they come into the craft, especially if it is – Coming to it after a negative experience in another religion or some other um, type of spiritual group, I think a lot of people are more drawn to the darker side of things because it's usually so different from where they just have been. And I mean, and I mean, let's just be honest, too. I mean, if you're like 14, 15 and you get into magic, you're not looking for like the white light healing stuff. You're looking for, you know black candles and voodoo dolls and stuff like that. Like that's what you're looking for because you're also trying to be edgy and you're rebelling. I mean, we've all been there. We all, you know, for those of us who were in the craft at that age, we get it. So, I mean, and that's fine, but there does come a time where balance is needed and you have to learn that, you know, first of all, you don't have to, you're a witch regardless. It doesn't matter if you're working with light or dark, you're a witch regardless. If you're a witch, you're a witch, but there, there is that need for balance because if you're always on one side, whether it's dark or light, you miss other things. You're lacking other stuff. Not every experience that you have is best had in one realm or the other. Um, you know, I am, I am very much a gray area person. I don't, I am not a black and white magic person. I am a gray magic. All magic is gray magic. So, um, healing magic is one that I always am like, you know, Think about that <laughs> for a minute, right? Because everyone's like, "Oh, well, that's like positive, like white light, lovely, wonderful, positive magic." Is it though? Because when right. you stop and you think about doing healing for someone else, <laughs> when you stop and you think about doing healing for someone else, right? Like, and they did not ask you for healing, and you did not ask them if they wanted healing, and you just go ahead and do, you know, healing spells or whatever on their behalf or for their benefit or whatever, you're not doing it on for them. You're doing it for you either because you feel guilty that you can't do anything to help them or you're scared that you're going to lose them or, you know, you don't like seeing them in pain. It's not, you're not doing that magic to really help them at, 
at its core, you're doing it for you, which then begs the question of free will, because I do feel that healing magic done without, you know, consent does go against free will, regardless of what your intentions are, because not everyone's painful experience that you feel needs healing is something that either a they feel needs healing or b is supposed to be healed because those experiences for anyone who's either per, you know in themselves or has watched a loved one go through like you know cancer or you know a massive uh, you know like having been in a really really bad car accident and maybe now they're paralyzed like watching somebody go through these hor- like a horrific medical or physical uh, situation that changes their lives that's part of the spiritual lesson in those experiences is they're meant to change you and by interceding with magic because you think that they don't need this or they shouldn't have to experience this, you're almost like curtailing someone's spiritual growth and shift and evolution and what have you. And you're not doing it really for them. You're doing it more for you because you're like, well, I don't want to see this. I don't want to lose this person. I don't want that. I don't want them to not be able to do what they did before and whatever. So it's really more about you and your own ego, I think, at the end of the day. But healing magic is one of those things where, yes, you can very easily now be crossing that line of it's not all light and positive. And you and you're not like advocating that we have to get permission to do magic. That's not what you're saying. You're just saying that. No, I'm I'm saying that I really feel that. You need to look at your motivations for why you're really doing something. So you know, again, like with healing, why are you really doing this? I mean, I honestly feel that, you know, when someone's going through whatever mental, physical, whatever, when we're on the, when we're someone else, like we're on the outside looking at that from a, a, a outside perspective and we are experiencing our reaction when we decide to do magic for that person, we're going off of our reaction to witnessing someone else's experience. And I don't feel like that that's the best place to come from, especially when you want to do magic to actually help someone else. So if you want to help that person, I, for me personally, I feel that in healing work, it's best to either sit down and talk to that person and be like, how can I help you? What can I do to help you? Especially if they know what you do. And and do that. But if you're just like, I I just have to go. I just have to go do. I got to go do some magic. Well, why? Right. That's what's your real reason. It's because of is it because you are in pain witnessing this? Well, then you need to do that magic on yourself to deal with your issue of being, you know, in pain or being, you know, troubled by this. And it's interesting dive right into this person and try to fix them and fix their life. I mean, that's just, to me, that just seems it's ridiculous because that you're saying the ego can absolutely be involved when it comes to those things that we often, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now that I can agree with. Now, like my mother who, oh, it was a really shitty last year and my mother had um, fallen into a coma and I'm like out here in California. She's back in Ohio. 
and it was it was bad like and they kept on we were like waiting it had been like two days had gone by we were like okay this isn't good like if she doesn't snap out of it soon there's going to be all kinds of extra damage and other things so we were really nervous and i had i remember you know, saying on social media, hey, my mom's ill. Everybody send energy if you got it. And nothing happening, nothing happening, nothing happening. I'm casting spells. Nothing's happening, nothing's happening. And so I just kind of go into my office and meditate. And I'm trying to, like, reach out and kind of connect to the situation and figure out what's going on. And I can see all of these spirits. I saw angels there. Like, there were, you know, there were all kinds of spirits around her. And, and I'm like, oh, what? she's not accepting. It, it was clear that, like, things were showing up to help her, but she just was not accepting this. Like, it was not going to happen. And my mother is not proud that I'm a witch. That is that is not her proudest accomplishment in life. Um, <laughs> the fact that I've got books out and I've been very public about, you know, what I do is, is probably even worse for the wear. Um, and so I realized that, like, you know, here I am doing all this magic and, re- you know, obviously I'm her son. I'm n- totally nervous about my losing my mother and all of these things. And so I'm all tangled up in it. Um, but even more so, she's not going to want to accept a bunch of magic from witches. Right. Like, it's not going to happen. And she was... I, I feel like she's already been one of those people who's like... I, I feel like if she had the opportunity to exit, she would, you know? Because she, that's because she's one of those Christians, right? She's just waiting for Jesus, and that's how it is. So I'm sitting here going, well, fuck. So I've got all this energy. We've got all these uh, incredible healers that are doing work. And there is... There's no way that she's going to take this. Like, it's just not going to happen. So the only thing I can think to do is to go to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so I went to Jesus. Now, I personally prefer Hispanic Jesus because he's the <laughs> nicest. I feel like he's the one that actually cares. Um, and so so I went to I went to Hispanic Jesus and I was like, hey, because that's those are the the paintings that I have, because we do a mm-hmm. lot of, of work here. And I live in California. I'm surrounded by Hispanic Jesus more than I am white Jesus. And so I went to I went to Hispanic Jesus and I said, hey, you know how to help people and you know how to help people help themselves. I mean, that's that's part of kind of his image here in California. And so please go to my mother and give her this because she's not going to take it from me. She's not going to do it. And so, you know, I had this really moving experience and Jesus was there and Jesus and I were, were cool. We're totally cool. The big difference is I haven't accepted him to be my personal Lord and Savior. You know, I believe that he's other people's personal Lord and Savior. That's fine. But I don't think he's any more divine than I am. And so we draw a line there, right? I'm, he's a, a a companion at times, but he is not my boss, right? And so there's, there's just a difference there. And I will not shit you. It was two hours later, I get a phone call. She woke up out of the coma. Yeah. Well, you know, you bring that brings up a really, really important point that in my little rant, I didn't even think of. I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been Michelle Belanger, but there was um, someone who uh, is a psychic and who does uh, some work with um, like paranormal groups had said at one point in an interview somewhere, or this is so long ago that I don't remember where exactly, if it was in a book or in an interview, had said that one of the things that they um, always 
make note of when they go to someone's home and they're looking for a cleansing or something to be done to, you know, get rid of a spirit or an energy is to notice if there's any religious artifacts or signs of a spiritual practice in that person's home. Because whatever the spiritual uh, inclination of that person is, is going to be the stuff that they're going to accept. So like you might be a witch and you might do things, you know, your witchy way. But if this person's a Christian, the last thing that they're going to accept is anything that comes from, you know, that kind of like a witchcraft based vibe. And to some people, they're like, well, what's the difference? It's, it's different. I mean, there is definitely a difference whether, whether, you know, they know what you're doing or not, there's an energetic difference. And they also, but you also have to think too, that if somebody is very rooted in a faith, they pretty much have a sort of like a shield up against things that are not of their faith. So someone who's super Christian is going to, you know, just have sort of like this unspoken, almost like an energetic, you know, shield of their own of like keeping out anything that's not of Jesus or, you know, whatever their belief is. So by doing things, going to like appealing to their chosen deity, their spirits, whatever, you're more likely to help that person than to go to yours and ask for help when, you know, that person wants nothing to do with your, your thing. With 25 years in service, the Mystic Dream is today's premier marketplace for all your spiritual supplies. Join us at our Walnut Creek location nestled in the San Francisco Bay Area of California or online for a state-of-the-art shopping experience. The Mystic Dream offers a wide selection of candles, statues, jewelry, crystals, books, tarot and oracle cards, as well as conjure, root work, and witchcraft supplies. Join us online at www.themysticdream.com. The Mystic Dream, where ancient wisdom meets the new aeon. Yeah, well, and, you know, and so in The Witch's Book of Mysteries, which comes out this May, um, there is the first part of that book. It, we I deal with this a lot, this concept that as witches, we are psychic beings. We are constantly interacting with different frequencies. We talk about this all throughout the series. And we get to this book, we start looking at the idea that there are religious egregores. There are all of these egregores that we are constantly tuning in and tuning out of. And in certain situations, I mean, if we want to think of like the dominant kind of, you know, the paradigm that we live in now, we're predominantly Christian. Everything's flavored with Christianity. I mean, everything from the way that we pay women to the way that we, you know, we we do schooling. I mean, everything really has these these Christian themes. Our country has those, you know, all under God. All these things are there. So whether we are actively participating in that religion or not, we are still constantly tapping into its egregores. We are still constantly influenced by those things. And as witches, we have two options. We can either 
either just throw our hand up in the air and say, nope, those things don't exist because I don't believe in them. Or we can accept that we live in a very fascinating world with a lot of ins and outs that we don't always understand because we're not stopping to question things. We're not stopping to really make up our own mind and develop our own gnosis. Instead, we're reading books and we're taking somebody's ego and what they think is going on and we're letting that decide what our reality is. And you can't fucking do that. You know, right. you just absolutely can't. And in this case, you know, it was I was glad that I didn't hate Jesus. I mean, seriously, <laughs> Jesus saved my mama, right? Yeah, right. And after the fact, um, I didn't feel bad about it at all. You know, I, I yeah. did not at all. And if I've got a client who's coming in and the last thing that they're going to, as you were just saying, I mean, it is different because in, in you know, if you think if, if anybody was ever Christian, you know what it was like to go to church and to be in a congregation with all of those other followers and all of those other people worshiping in the same way. I, in my experience, it was Pentecostals, Pentecostalism, and it was evangelical Pentecostalism. So we were holy rollers and there's lots of singing mm-hmm. and dancing and hooping and hollering. That <laughs> was powerful. That right. was super. That was my first like real ritual experience was being in a Pentecostal church and summoning the Holy Spirit together. That was fucking amazing, right? And so that set the bar for me when I went to go invoke my other gods, my other spirits. I was like, well, wait a minute. It feels like this when Jesus shows up, right? Or it feels like this when the Holy Ghost shows up. And so it actually informed my practice instead of me looking at it and saying, oh, you know, this baby in this bathwater that I didn't like, I'm going to throw it all out. We can't do that. And and it's ignorant. I mean, it's, it's ignorant. It's ignorant <laughs> to be in a position where you're just dismissing entire swaths of reality because it's reality. We live in a country that is governed by Christian paradigm. That is the truth. Right. And I think, too, you know, just because you don't believe in it and it doesn't work for you doesn't mean it doesn't work. And that, or that it doesn't exist. That they're crazy, you know, or that or it doesn't, that it doesn't exist. exist. I mean, and that's what amazes me was this this thing of like it, it's not an either or situation, folks. It's not like you 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 leave, especially if you're if you're a, a, a polytheist like this amazes me. The polytheists who just like totally dismiss everything than what they believe in because they found Thor. And that's great. Like Thor is fucking badass. Like I don't know what I would do without Diana. I have no idea. My life surrounds my worship and my relationship with my goddess. And, uh, you know, the same thing with Lucifer. Those are my everything. Like when it comes to my religious views, my religion as a practice, all those those are surrounding that. So I'm not judging anybody's imaginary friends. We're all allowed to have imaginary friends. It's fine. I'm judging how we tend to ignore the fact that if your friend is imaginary, then so is everybody else's. And if you're allowed to have one, then so is everybody else. And it doesn't have to be an either or situation. It doesn't have to be that because you believe in Diana that you don't believe in Jesus. It's it's not like it's not like belief is fact, right? It's we, we can't do that. <laughs> we can't do that thing that we were doing in in, in the news for so long. Belief is right, fact. Well- and the ch- and the truth too is that belief changes. Absolutely. You know, it so over Hopefully. time, you I mean over time, you know, you have like you might have your uh, you know, your experience with Diana and you have your, you know, your very rooted faith in her, but then you have an experience with another goddess that you feel at, you know, that given time a real deep connection to and a need to spend time with her. That doesn't mean that you forget that Diana exists or she's no longer important. 
but your belief might shift a little bit in how that relationship is, even if it's just for that moment, like your belief changes and then it may change back. Who knows? I, you know, and that's one of the things I think why for me, I was so drawn to chaos magic because I, I, you know, to me, belief is what makes everything, everything, you know, especially in magic. If you don't believe in what you're doing, then what you're doing is pointless. You're wasting your time, your energy, your money, your resources, what have you, if you don't believe 100%. And the only way to believe 100% is to engage and explore, especially if it takes you out of your little bubble that you've created for yourself. And if you've created a bubble for yourself and then you know, 20 years later, you're feeling the call to step out of it, but you're like, oh, I can't do that though because you know, I've, I've been so-and-so, such-and-such, whatever for 20 years you know, that's a choice. That's a choice to not change or grow. And I also think it's kind of a fear to be like, oh, well, this thing I believed in all this time, it no longer exists or it's not real. And that's not true. It can't be real because if it is real, then what you are now believing in isn't real. Right. So I think that, you know, it's understanding that some things are going to be true and uh, for you, or you're going to believe in them for a period of time. And then something else is going to come along because you are going to evolve. If, cause here's the thing, if your beliefs don't evolve, especially in magic and any spirituality, if your beliefs don't evolve to some degree at some point, then you're doing it wrong because Absolutely. the whole point is to grow <laughs> and to elevate and to change spiritually and 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 whatnot so if you're if none of these things are are helping you grow well then something's not right about what you're doing so well and i think too when we we, like the word occult right the word occult means mystery it means unseen unknown and when you practice the occult you are actively exploring mystery you are actively exploring the unknown and so so much of of actual occultism if we take out the sparkle is about getting to know yourself it's about getting to know your relationship to the divine and coming up with your own definitions your own answers for how all of this works and especially like when we talk about like way back in the day when i was involved in wicca when we would talk about like the the mysteries well the mysteries are you know the life stages and the life experiences that we all have that cannot be explained they are mysteries. Like you might go, oh, well, you know, like birth is a mystery. Well, how is birth a mystery? We all know what birth is and we all know what it is, but we don't all experience it like giving birth. We all. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Right. I, I'm not either. So, right, right. <laughs> you know, I mean, we we don't all experience that. It's a mystery. And it and the, what happens to you physically, mentally, spiritually as a result of that is not the same for every single person that experiences it because it is a mysterious mystery of life. And so all of these things, you know, that we that we can look at and go, oh, well, you know, it's a mystery when you go, oh, well, it's not. We all know what that is. We know we can define it, but we can't know it fully without experiencing it. So not everyone experiences the same things. And therefore, even life itself becomes a mystery. Right. Well, and that's what I think, like this article that spurred this whole conversation, I I think it boils down to that thing of like, well, this person obviously hasn't experienced those things yet enough to be able to include that in their paradigm. Or I think that this person had experiences with some of the these things and they weren't positive experiences. And so 
they've chosen to define them in more, you know, for that person, negative ways, you know, as being not like, like this person makes a comment about saying how, you know, light workers just always assume that things work, that, you know, what their, their thing is just works, you know, specifically talking about things like sending white light, like, oh, I'm going to send you white healing light, blah, blah, blah. And this person makes a comment about, you know, light workers just always are full of assumptions that, that things just work. Well, who isn't? Are you kidding me? I mean, you know, you does the same thing as, you know, when you're doing magic, when you're doing, you know, spells as a witch, you, you believe it's going to work. Is it? We'll find out, you know? So I just think, I think this person had a bad experience with a lot of, of this stuff and has now kind of walked away with this idea that, you know, all light workers are airy fairy, not serious, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, because they're not all death doulas, then they're not, you know, they're not witches. Yeah. And it, 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 it's, it's just so weird to me because my, the way, I guess my universe works, the way my paradigm is, is that it includes, you know, angels and demons and fairies and dead people and other, you know, interdimensionary beings. And, you know, and it, it's just it's such a it's it's such an inclusive view, I think. And and it's hard for me to be like and I, my, my witchcraft has been so enriched by it. Like there's you know, I there are things that demons if I didn't know how to conjure up a demon that I would not have been able to do in my life. And that's just the truth. And, there you know, and sometimes angels are assholes. And sometimes demons are sweeter than pie. And, you know, and, and sometimes there are experiences where, yeah, you're going to run into a little pixie in the woods and it looks all sweet and kind. And then you look at the thing standing behind it and you want to run the other way, you know. And so it's just it's so hard for me that we get these hard definitions about things. And I'm like, as a medium, like if I have to go to a con- when we you and I have talked about this on the show before, we used to talk about this seven years ago when, it, you know, if you're hanging out with a bunch of psychics, the level of expectation is incredibly different than it is if you're hanging out with a bunch of witches talking about psychic phenomenon. And it's that psychics, because psychics are out having real experiences, they they expect a degree of authenticity to what you're saying. You can't just say, oh, I had a feeling about something. You got to really, you know, come up with more. The expectation is different. And so me existing in that world and trying to talk to those people about the things that we experience as witches made me up my game. I couldn't just talk about things in a, in a you know, kind of peripheral sense. I had to be really hands-on with things. And the level of expectation changed, right? For me as a witch, I, it wasn't good enough to just pray to a spirit. I needed to know the spirit was going to pray back. And, and I'm like, well, I have the ability to feel this because I do it in these other senses and these other, you know, ways, um, all the time. I'm either talking to a dead person or I'm talking to, you know, a, a spirit guide or whatever. And so if I know I can do those things, then why can't I feel or communicate with a God or, an, or another spirit? Because they're just spirits. And so the, the level of expectation is different. And so for me, I'm running into these things all the time. I mean, I'm running into angels, I'm running into demons. And it's not like, you know, they're floating around with halos over their heads. Most of the time, if if it's an angel, they look a lot more like the person they're following or, you know, that kind of a thing than anything else. And when you get into the bigger concepts of angels, which is that's what my book series really deals with when we talk about angels, we're dealing with some of the the more occulty, bigger kind of con- pillars of the universe kind of angels. Those are totally they're not going to fucking talk to you. 
Like if you if you really want to go talk to Archangel Michael, when you go to when you go to pray to Archangel Michael, you're not praying to necessarily the Archangel Michael, the energy known as. You're praying to the egregore of Archangel Michael, who is working you know through that. So when we really want to go into it, I mean, angels are these. They're like the computer to me. The way that I write about them, the way that I work with them. I would say 90% of angels are like computer programs just making the universe run. Like they're forces of nature. They're keeping the, you know, gravity. It's like it's space, time, energy, you know, matter, all of those things. That is those are the the domains of angels. Especially when we're talking about like archangels, they're not your personal helpers. They do not care about, you know, whether or not you're getting a job tomorrow. Like that's not. Oh, my God. Yeah, Doreen Virtue ruined everything. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I think she said, I think in one of her decks, it was she, and this is, was the most offensive thing in the world to me because I had just, so Gabriel sounds like, um, the guy from prophet or from, is it prophecy? I think it's prophecy. It's the, the angel movie the, with, uh, with Christopher Walken, Christopher Walken. He sounds yeah, like Christopher. Yeah. So when I talk to Gabriel, he sounds like Christopher Walken. <laughs> and, um, and so I was just like, had this really intense Gabriel experience. And then I'm at the store and we used to carry all of Dorian virtues, everything because he was so popular. And I mean, there were days that all we would sell were Dorian virtue shit. And I open up like one of her demo decks and I pulled Gabriel out and I was like, Oh, of course. Yeah. Right. Totally. Gabriel. Gabriel, of course, would show up to me. I just had this experience. And then I read the little description and she's like, Gabriel is like conditioner for your hair. He helps untangle things. And I was like, oh, my fucking God. Like, yeah. Gabriel has like thousand wings and he's on fire and like he's really fucking spooky and he is not hair conditioner. Right. And that's the thing with, I think, the whole like the way the new age community in like you go back to like the 60s and and when all of this stuff got really more mainstream. I think a lot of that was, well, let's take these concepts that are a little on the, you know, spooky side because they're not all you know, love light and want to give you big hugs um, and let's make them a little bit more palatable for us so that we can engage with it and use it and whatever. And that's fine. But at the end of the day, I don't feel like when, when we're talking about, you know, like Archangel Gabriel as the fiery, like, you know, like a Phoenix looking sort of, you know, energy is not the same as Doreen Virtue's version of Gabriel. I see, here's my kind of take on that. I sort of see the Doreen Virtue version, a, an aspect of what Gabriel's capable of. Absolutely. So, so that's just how, you know, her experience with Gabriel was, it doesn't mean that that is what Gabriel is. And, but with the archangels, especially, especially if you're talking like, you know, the quote big four, like their job is to basically hold up the universe. Like their, their job is not to help you find love, get a job, you know, buy a new home. That's not their job. They are, you know, the archangels are like a step up from guardian angels, your guardian angel is going to be a little bit more willing to help with those things. They're, that's more their job. Their job is to help the people with their stuff. Yeah. The archangels are there to make sure that the big messages and the big stuff gets through and to, you know, kind of keep things. I, yeah, I'm starting to wonder where everyone fucking is because chaos is everywhere right now, but yeah, their yeah. job is to sort of kind it's of to order. Keep, it's to bring order to, yeah, yeah. is to keep the order going and to keep order in the universe, not 
And that order is not your personal universe. It is the universe as a whole. So that's why, you know, when you're, you know, making offerings or praying to an archangel and whatever, you're not working directly with them. Michael is not sitting with you in your car, protecting you as you drive across the country. That it's the, you know, but that doesn't mean that you're not working with an aspect. No, no, you're 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 tuning into the frequency of of a version of Archangel Michael, and that is is something that you're going to carry with you while you're driving across the country. But Archangel Michael is not taking form and sitting in your passenger seat. Right. And and plus, too, it's like, you know, there are. Once you get past the archangels, which the archangels are hard enough sometimes to deal with, but once you get past them, now you're stepping into realms that you should not be stepping into because now you're getting into like, you know, when you start heading way up in those uh, choirs of angels, you're getting into the ones where, you know, like your head would explode if you heard them, you know, their, their vibration is so high that we, because of our physical, you know, our physicality makes it impossible to connect properly, I guess you could say, with energies. So it's like when people that's why sometimes when I hear people like who are like, oh, I'm so spiritually attuned with the angels and I work with the Sephiroth. No, you don't. No, you don't. I know you don't. And I know that you're just saying that to try and sound important and like, you know, something. But I know you don't because you're still here. So so there's that, you know, it's interesting. I mean, there's I the topic of angels and the worlds and the different planes it's it's so it's really what my work is is kind of based off of and so I I, I'm loving what you're saying because it's totally lining up and this is stuff that like we we don't we've never talked about really before so um so I'm loving that it's lining up I'm also feeling a lot of um of my own kind of, I, I, I would say prejudice when it comes to this. And I realize that people are probably listening to this and be like, I don't understand what he's saying. I don't understand what she's saying. And, and it's just when it comes to these, this concept of angels, I'm like, you cannot throw a stone in the occult without hitting an angel. And so it's, it's, and I feel like it's, it's re- as a witch, just period. I mean, you're, you know, I, I refer to witches and spirits like sunlight and solar panels. Like we, so much of our work is includes spirits and, and spirits are carrying so much of what we do and we're not even really, really thinking about it. And this idea that we could just dismiss like this giant piece of the universe spiritually because it doesn't fit into our dark paradigm for the day. It just makes it all sound very emo. And I also think it's funny when someone will be like, oh, I, you know, angels. No, that's not. But have you read anything about Anakian? Are you fucking kidding me? Where, what planet are you on? (laughs) I remember, (laughs) you know, back when I started studying fairy, this is like, I don't know, eight years ago, eight or nine years ago. And I was on like one of those, I think it was live journal back in the day of live journal. And I was, I was on some post and I had said something about, I don't know, somebody's attitude about they were being a dick. And, and I was just like, hey, you don't have to be a dick about this. But, you know, fair point. But you don't have to be a dick about it. And it wasn't to me. It was somebody else's thing. And I had no idea who this person was. But their response was, oh, you're obviously new to all of this. You can take your angel readings and go shove them up your ass or something along those lines. And I was like, what? What is this? And on my website, I'm like, I, I list that I had done angel readings. Now, an angel reading, when you come to me... <laughs> 
is not a Dorian Virtue Angel reading. It is there's there's like trance involved. It's actually like a multi-hour process. There's a lot going on with it. It's 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 it gets a little creepy. Um, there's lots of drawing. Like there's it's 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 an uncomfortable thing for a lot of people. And it, I don't do them anymore for people. But at the time, I was channeling angels. I'm the same way. I don't do them anymore for pe- for other people because. I started to realize that my process was really making people like if they if I did them in like either over Skype or like in person would make people really uncomfortable because there's a lot of me in like with my eyes closed (laughs) in a trance state doing things with my hands that, you know, they're watching me do that. They're like her. She's what is she? But where are the angels? (laughs) Like they're. I'm working on it. Like, you know, it's, it's not a, oh, let's, I mean, angel card readings are different than an angel session or an angel reading. So like, yeah, I, you want me to break out some Doreen Virtue cards and read you uh, some angel cards? Okay, that's fine. But that's not the same as like, oh, I want you to do an angel, you know, like communicate with the angels and do this and that. That's a whole other thing. And, and it can get a little weird for someone who's just sitting there watching because it's going to probably be a good 20 minutes of you just hanging out looking at me doing some weird shit wondering what the hell's happening (laughs) so so i kind of stopped doing them and but i'll do angel card readings all day long i love doing angel card readings because i i think that they're especially depending on the situation that somebody has i feel like they can be like the best way to help someone through something because again they're not if you're using a Dorian Virtue deck, yes, they're all love and light and rainbows and whatever. But if you're using more balanced angel decks, they're not. And, you know, you definitely get some hard lessons from all of the angels. Um, but you also get light lessons from them as well, because, again, balance is kind of their gig. So that's their thing. Yep. My favorite angel deck right now is the Angelarium. Yes, I have that. I like that. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite one. And that's what they I mean, the closest to what I when I go off and I'm, you know, in trance and I'm doing that work with the angels, that's what they look like. Like they they look mm-hmm. not at all what we're expecting. I remember we were driving through the desert two years ago. We were driving through the Mojave Desert two years ago because we were on our way to the Tucson Gym Show. And it was like the, the moon was full. It was beautiful. And um, I don't know, it was probably like two, one or two o'clock in the morning. So there's like nobody on the road and I look out and it's just the desert is just lit up by the moon. And there was this kind of heavy fog almost that was kind of there. Everything was really dense to see. I remember looking out and seeing what looked like kaiju, like, you know, like giant monster kaiju things walking through the desert. But it was so vast and it was so big that it looked like a herd of them just walking through the desert. And it was the most beautiful thing I think I'd ever experienced. So we stopped the van and I get out and I draw down the moon and I look out into the desert and I call to them. And I instantly knew, like, these are the angels of the desert. Like, these are these giant forces, spiritual forces in the desert. And, of course, the moon is full. Like, of course, they're out bathing. You know what I mean? It was just this incredible incredible fucking experience and i'm with chaz and chaz is like so not into any of this like he (laughs) he, he's super psychic like he's the guy that walks around the house and he's having conversations with somebody but he doesn't acknowledge that it's somebody else he thinks he's just talking to himself just walk around the house and i'm like 
dude, I can like, there's somebody standing next to you. Like you're having it. Hey, what are you talking about? And he's like, Oh, I'm talking about this random thing from 1970. You're talking <laughs> to a fucking spirit. Like there's just this weird shit. But so he's, <laughs> but he, he's very nonplus about this kind of stuff. And, and he was like, no, there's definitely something out there. There's definitely multiple somethings out there. And so it was just this like, incredible experience to be like oh these are these you know how lucky was i to have that that moment of being able to witness that and it was it just changed me it changed me you know because i felt it on the inside and i always you always feel angels behind you you know you're you're doing your work and, and especially if you're doing lbrp and stuff like you can you can feel these energies show up but to see it in that way was just incredible and for all i know i could have just been sleep deprived and going through the desert and you know all those things but i I, it really was this moving experience for me and it reminds me you know because i you and i both were were nerds we're super Mm -hmm. into science um we like things to make sense as much as possible and I often find that when we get into the concepts of like, you know, really how does how do science and the occult kind of intersect? I think some of the clearest connections actually do come from the things that we would consider to be angelic. You know, I remember Maya Bialik was um, doing an interview and she had talked because she's Jewish and she's very devout. And she was talking about how she was getting gruff because she had talked about how when she like, um, you know, she's like an astrophysicist or something like that. And so as she was like looking at um, pictures from the universe and she was explaining things and she was talking about how she was really spiritually inspired by this. Like, look, look, look at God. Look how amazing God is. People got so pissed off at her. And I'm listening to this and I'm going, that's, it, that is amazing. Like, you know, you're, you're looking at another galaxy and right. you're realizing that inside of the galaxy is probably all the same stuff that we've got going on, but different. And there's probably life there and there's probably other things going on there. And how could you not look at that and just be like, oh my, wow, of course. Look how amazing the divine is, you know? And and it boils down to like, we as people who want rational examples, we want rational conclusions to things. We can look at, at these experiences, especially like with science is growing, we're finding more and more out. We're going to be on Mars within 50 years. Like this is happening, folks. Like this is real. This is a turning point. And we can look at this and say we're going to divorce completely from from you know religion and science. Or we can actually see that you know religion and spirituality in a lot of ways have been making room for scientific thought, have been pushing the boundaries of what's there. And I think that they they fit so well together in that way that Mayim Bialik was talking about, where we can mm-hmm. look at these things and go, I don't understand all of it at once. I don't understand. I may never, right? And and maybe we may never understand all of it at once. And that is awe. That is awe-making. And those things that make awe are divine, right? We, if When you can look out into space and go, holy shit, that's incredible. That I don't understand. And yeah, and I think that that's the, you know, having to just, you know, accept the fact that you're not going to understand everything and you're not supposed to. And it's okay to just be awed by something and not, you know, be able to pinpoint every last little thing about it and put it in a box with a bow on it. Like, that's okay. And, you know, and that's a big part of exploring the occult is knowing that you're going to come across some stuff that it might work, you know, you might play around with it and, and, and use it and it works for you, but you can't explain it. Like you can't sit down and give a lecture on how it works. That's okay. Like you don't need, it's one of the things that kind of always has turned me off to a lot of the occult community and why I 
just kind of stay in my little corner by myself because I hate the the need that that a lot of people have to feel like they are some sort of like, you know, rogue scholar on, you know, rogue scholar on, uh, you know, like fucking ceremonial magic and be able to explain every last little thing and how it works and why it works. And it doesn't really matter if it works, it works. You don't have to understand it all. You can just be like, that's amazing. The universe is amazing. It's incredible how this all pieces together. I don't understand it. That's okay because I know how to work with it. You know, you don't have to understand everything right down to its, you know, last little piece to to make something work for you. Well, and I think too, like at the end of the day, you 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 just have to you have to make it make sense for you. And if it doesn't make sense for you, it doesn't matter. And it's okay that they're like I'm one of those witches. And this became especially true as I started writing and teaching and really trying to convey the stuff behind what became sacred fires. Um, this idea of like, okay, well, so I'm having these trippy experiences and how do I convey them to another person and have them witness the same type of thing, right? And it's actually really difficult to do. And so what I realized was, at least for my story and in my case, that, you know, Diana is the goddess of all witches. She doesn't actually care if you worship her or not. She just wants you to go practice witchcraft. Like, that's really what she cares about. And so I was blessed to not have some of those. I, you know, I think when we when we work with deities, we forget that we often inherit their problems. I mean, it's I mean, if you think about it, it's mm-hmm. like this this deity that you're worshiping and you're honoring and you're psychically connecting to and you're channeling them and if you know if you look at it if you look at your deity and you can say oh they've had this horrible history with whatever chances are you're probably also going to have that same type of history unfold right. in your life that's why i always say when you're picking you know you think you're just picking some fun witchy name to use and you're going to you know use it all over the place you're going to be saying it or writing it every day do not use the name of a deity or a spirit unless you are 100% aware of absolutely everything about them and you are okay with with embodying and experiencing many of those things good bad and indifferent because you can't you know call yourself you know like call yourself athena every day all day have everyone else call you that and then expect that you're not going to have some you know daddy issues so, yeah, I mean, yeah, no, you know. exactly. And that's the easy, you know, I, I, I the term I've come up with is we inherit the problems of our gods and it's it's so it's interesting, you know, and I mean, luckily, my, you know, the Diana that I work with is this kind of weird, obscure, witchy goddess who isn't very much associated with like the Roman deity and yada, yada, yada. So there's a lot of interpretation room for us. Um, but unfortunately, that also means that we're also kind of on our own. Like there's a lot of this. You have to go figure this out for yourself. What does this mean to you? How does this feel? You know, it does this does this inspire you or does it make you feel like you want to give up? You know, that kind of stuff. And and so the relationship has been good. It's been positive. But when we are looking at those broader strokes and we're looking at the idea of like, you know, as you said, if you run into a deity or a spirit that you resonate with for the time, you're going to work with them regardless of, you know, what's up. And, you know, I work with Maka, the goddess Maka, this, this incredible Irish goddess. And she's a she's a 
fucking battle queen. Like, she's amazing. She's totally hardcore. And I have a very unique relationship to her. You know, she's my Maka. She's not going to be your Maka, right? Just like my Diana is not going to be your Diana. And it's not going to be my student's Diana. And that's something that we talk a lot about is, you know, I have this personal connection to her and she presents herself to me in a very specific way. She's my Diana. And I'm going to introduce you to the best I possibly can to her. But ultimately, she's going to develop a unique relationship with you. And that happens with every spirit we work with. That happens with everything that we do. And so, you know, getting back to this idea of what witches are, what witches aren't, it's it's so interesting that, you know, to the Catholic witch, which yes, those ex- you can be a Christian witch, folks, that's totally possible, uh, by the way. Um, but, you know, the the uh, some of the scariest curses you'll ever see will come out of a little Catholic woman. Um, but, you know, to the cat to, to her to that little Catholic grandma who's doing a you know a, a curse with Archangel Michael. Archangel Michael is a force of nature that you do not want to fuck with, and he is the he is you know this immensely powerful thing. And she's having a different relationship. Her Michael is different than Doreen's Michael, right? And so it's it's something that we have to keep in mind that we have our own established relationships, and we really can't condemn a, a, a spirit or a type of practice that isn't influencing us in the same way. We can't condemn those things and you can't condemn the search for that either. Right. And I, and I also think you can't, I mean, because you just cannot define how someone else is going to experience certain, uh, you know, gods, goddesses, angels, whatever, because it is all personal experience at the end of the day, right? Because it's, you know, we're all interacting with these energies, but we all perceive energies different. We all engage in them in a different way. We all experience certain energies at different times and we don't at others. So because like my whole thing with, with really, I guess like angels too, like God's angels, what have you, is that, you know, like when I'm talking about one of my, you know, like one of the, the deities that I work with, like, like you've mentioned Thor way long ago, <laughs> Thor is one of, Thor is one of my, uh, one of the gods I work with, but I don't, I don't believe that Thor existed as a person. Thor is an energy. Thor is the, is the personification of an energy. Um, and that energy can also take form in other deities, other spirits, other things. It's not just Thor, but Thor is as far as, you know, like, uh, you, you like protective, uh, type energy. Thor is, you know, that version of that energy, but then there's going to be other, you know, types of energy similar to it. And so my experience with Thor will not be the same as someone else's because that energy is just being perceived differently because it's felt differently, just like, you know, all energy is felt differently. So this is also why, like for me, it in chaos magic, why I'm very, uh, people always think this is crazy and they, and I understand why people don't get it. And I don't ever fault anyone for not understanding this, but I'm very into, uh, working with found gods. I love working, found gods. Yes. And working yes. with cultural, cultural gods, because again, it's all just, it, it's, it's, uh, collective unconscious uh, or collective consciousness and energy. So again, Thor, why do we see Thor the way we do? Well, because someone created a story that then a bunch of people 
heard and they perceived it a certain way and then they told it and then the people that heard it perceived it a certain way and then it just kind of through the generations develops and we develop the personality of Thor. Well, the same thing is true for Batman. We have, right. the, you know, there's the story of Batman and then, you know, people read it and then they they put, you know, kind of glommed on with their ideas of what Batman was. And then, you know, other people wrote about Batman. And before you know it, we have a cultural understanding of Batman. How is Batman different? Batman's right. not different. <laughs> Batman's the no, same. It, Storm wrote a really good article about Wonder Woman like this for the first Modern Witch magazine that we did. And um, it's because you're totally right. And I think that with the found gods thing, it fascinates me that people just don't want to accept them when it baff- baffles me completely. It baffles me. And it, cause I'm like, you're missing the point. No, cause here's what it gets down to. They're just looking to recreate something that is ancient. It's no, it's no different than Christianity. It's, it's no different than Christianity in that context. They're just, just looking that, to recreate. That, it's, that, it's that ridiculous perception that if it's old, it's, it's, powerful. And so 200 years from now, Batman will be Thor because he will be perceived as being an ancient mythical creature (laughs) that, you know, has these powers, which today we're like, all right, whatever, because you know that way back, you know, thousands of years ago, that was essentially the thought of most of these deities that we talk about now that we see with this like great power that we revere highly they were just figures in a story they weren't they weren't that like we see them now what do you think about american gods you know i have not seen the show i have read i did read the book ages and ages ago um and i love it i i it's just it's so funny when like you know you're again because i can only talk about like from the book perspective but when you're reading the book and you're like it connects with you what low-key is Loki, you know, just like realizing like, oh, and that's a, that is totally fitting. Like, yes, this fits the concept of, uh, of Loki. So, uh, you know, and I think that that's just more of how we kind of look at these older, you know, these, these myths and these stories that we have certain perceptions of, um, you know, on their face value. And we kind of change them around a little bit and make them fit more where we are today for our generation storytelling and what have you. So, you know, yeah, I, I think, you know, David Bowie's a fucking God. So <laughs> he was when he was alive, even more so now that he's dead. So, you know, I, and I, and I don't think there's anything, you know, I don't think there's any reason to, uh, you know, kind of scoff at those ideas. And when people do, I'm always like, well, I don't know, maybe you don't understand the concept of where God's yeah, I, I don't I, know. <laughs> it's it isn't. Yeah, I mean, and that's one of the first like things I used to bring up in in um, my training with people was like, okay, well, if we didn't believe in the gods, would the gods exist? And my answer was no, because you know we're the ones that came up with their names and their personalities and all of and the that stuff, keep and them so, relevant, and that keep them relevant, and that's such an important part of of all of this. I mean, that's why I loved American Gods because you have this this struggle between these new gods and these old gods, and you know I look around and I I see like the, like Thor right out in theaters, and I'm like, well, Thor's doing really good for himself these days. I know, and I always laugh whenever I mention Thor to like if you know I say anything about Thor and it's like oh you mean like from the comic books no I mean right. kind of but no <laughs> no the one that came before that the one, the one that that is not the blonde movie star looking Thor 
the one that's a little bit more on the gruff, dirty, you know, shit in his beard side. I, yeah, that's my Thor. I hey, but even then, I mean, Thor is doing damn good for himself these days. Like he found a great avatar to portray him. And, you know, when actors are acting, they're channeling a spirit like that's what they're doing, at least the spirit of the character they're playing. And when you're playing a god, who are you going to be channeling? And so, you know, we've got this. I, I, I just think it's so interesting because the gods are, you know, gods and spirits that have been with us forever are still here. And we're seeing them and we're defining them for what our cultural standards are for the moment. And I, and if we look back 40 years, you know, from now, it, we would see a very different representation of things. 40 years from that, you see a very different representation. And I think it's all proof that these things are very much alive. You know, angels, as we just talked about, angels now are not the angels of 40 years ago or 30 years ago even. And the, you know, the work of a witch, it, it looks different than what it did 30 years ago. When my mother and my father were in a coven, their witchcraft was way different than what it was. Like in the 70s, it looked way different than what, you know, we practice today. Um, and, you know, there, there, there were things that just you wouldn't even dream about being part of witchcraft that was part of their practices and things like that. So, it, you know, everything's constantly evolving and growing and changing. And I think it's spiritually ignorant, I'm going to say it again, it's spiritually ignorant of us to not acknowledge the living nature of the spirits that we work with and of their world, you know, their capability to not only be reborn again and create themselves and however they want to, but also that there are going to be these other spirits that come up along the way. You know, we didn't have highways, you know, a uh, hundred years ago, right? We didn't have things that were connected. To us. So, so of course, you know, uh, asphalta wasn't around because there wasn't any asphalt. And now the country is covered with it, you know? So her and I are tight. Like, you know. Right. Like, and I, yeah. you know, but it's again, it, it just, I think, speaks to human ignorance to, to think that, well, you know, you can't just create gods. But can't you, though? I mean, isn't that, isn't well, that where I don't it even all... know if we're creating them or if we're discovering them. So, like, I wrote I think... an article probably three or four years ago that was about working with a goddess named Cannabidia. And Cannabidia is the goddess of weed. Like, she's that, that, that kind of Davic force behind marijuana. And she really doesn't – like, her thing actually more so is that it should be used for healing and it should be used for relieving things and for, like, experiencing, you know, yourself on the inside. But it's so abused. And so, like, you know, she's, got, she's fascinating. Like, she, she's not actually down with everybody just being stoners and sitting on their couches. She actually thinks it's a waste. And so it's, you know, it's this really interesting thing to work with the goddess of, of marijuana. And I wrote this article because I, I was totally fat. I was just amazed. I was like, oh, this goddess, I met this goddess and I've never heard of her. So I'm going to write about her because she's fucking awesome. And so many people are turning to marijuana right now to help heal and, you know, move through issues they have. And that's where we were at the time. And so, and I was seeing a lot of people abuse it. Right. And that was something that I was talking about with the spirit. So I wrote this article and I was amazed at the amount of people who were who just took it face value were like, this is fucking awesome and I'm going to use this. And then the people who were like, this is fucking bullshit because no one, you know, where did you get this from? And when I said that I got it during uh, trance and meditation, the response was, oh, then it's not real. Well, fuck you. Yeah, it's not real. I don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand that. I mean, you know, that's how. I mean, the, the the gods that you are, you know, reading about in myth and, and that you then 
using ritual based on stories, where do you think that came from? I mean, somebody discovered it in some way through a, through an experience, whether it was they were just writing a story and it just came out or they had their own sort of meditative experience or experience out in nature and in the world and, you know, brought this knowledge forward. I, I, I just, I just, I don't understand it. I just, I don't understand this, this, well, if it's not thousands and thousands of years old and we don't have all these, you know, books and whatnot on it, it's not real. Okay. Bullshit. Well that it must be sad to live in your world. That's so limiting. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's often my thought when I, when I deal with, you know, when we talk about things like the the light and the dark stuff and that that very binary way of looking at everything or we or we look at the idea of, you know, traditions where it just is this way and it can't be any other way. I, to me, that's just like so sad. And like it is, you know, it's like living in a box that you're not ever allowed to step out of because, you know, you've chosen this path and therefore it is all it is exactly just this way. And there is no room for change or growth. It's like. Well, that's that's fucking sad and lonely. <laughs> do you know do you know what else is sad and lonely? What? Our listeners when they realize that this is the end of the show. Oh, I'm sorry, listeners, but it is the end of the show. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, we're like, oh, we, uh, we're going into an hour and 20 minutes. We better stop. Um, and this is after sitting around for an hour and a half talking. So we're doing good today. Um, <laughs> we are. Yeah. So. All right. Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening uh, to us ramble about lightworkers and uh, what cultural appropriation and angels and gatekeeping. Today was an interesting conversation. Uh, tune in next week where we're going to have some more. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. Rowan is there, Rowan. <gasps> oh, I did we it. Start like, we should start like some kind of like donation jar. For every yes. Time every time I do, do it. All right. I, right now I'm going to put a dollar in the jar. Okay. <laughs> I just put a dollar in the jar. Uh, Jess, is there any last notes or any last thoughts that you'd like to share? Uh no, I, I just want to, uh, you know, say that, you know, this week, go out and find a God, find a deity in the world. Who's your, who's your, uh, you know, your rock God or whatever. And realize that it doesn't matter if it's, you know, Thor or David Bowie or God help you, Justin Bieber. It doesn't matter. Because whatever it is, that energy is still an energy that you can tap into regardless of who embodies it. So, you know, expand yourself. Go buy, go buy a little Batman and put it on your altar and see how it feels to embody Batman. So. And thanks for listening to another Modern Witch Podcast. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Devin Hunter. And you can find Jess at Jess J. Carlson on both Twitter and Instagram. We hope to see you next week for another exciting episode of the Modern Witch Podcast. <laughs>